Hey. Hi. We're just waiting for Nick. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're super excited to have you here. I'm texting Nick right now. And as soon as he's on, we're going to get started. Here, listen to this. Ready? Hold on. Yeah. Let's see. Hear it? Ah, yes. I heard that yesterday. I love it. Hold on. Let me see if I got the lyrics somewhere. Here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Can you read them? Yes. You know that you have got to force the vote. You know that you have got to. Do you want to be a father? Now's your time. You have got to time. To make the future brighter, you have got to send out one Come together, make a little better for me and you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Do you want to be a fighter? <laughs> It'll be over after this. No, 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 go for it. I love it. You know that you have got to. I love it. Did Eleanor make that? No. Really? Who made that? I uh, reached out to uh, two talented people, uh, Chapman and Jake Chapman. And I asked them, uh, after your meeting on Sunday with the committee, I was like, they got no music. I need music. I need music. So I went to bed and I was, I texted my friend and I go, I need to talk to your daughter tomorrow. And they said, okay. And they texted me at 9 a.m. on Monday. And I said, this is my idea. And I sent them the first monologue Jimmy did yeah. about uh, Force the Vote. And so I sent that to them. And then I sent them, I think, something from Justin Jackson. And... I sent them one more other thing to give them like an idea of what we were talking about. Right. And they're like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know what I want. I don't know. You know, um, you know, and being a teacher for 20 years, I would typically, I would tell kids, I would give them assignments and yeah. something artistic to do. And I would say, you know, here's my example, but I don't want to give you an examples because I want you to think beyond what is the cookie cutter thing. Right. And they worked this the first time I've worked with them. I know their work and uh, their mom is my voice teacher when I take voice lessons. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I love her kids. They're, they're really talented. And, um, and so I just thought music connects with different people. Yeah. And I wanted to debut it Tuesday night while we were doing our live stream. And then the stream got cut. Yeah, um, I was watching when that happened. The power went out, the cable charter uh, spectrum went out from like 6.15 until 9.15. Yeah. And I was like, uh, and I wanted to debate, debut it. And then yesterday uh, we cut our short, our stream short and I wanted to play it again to promote the town hall. And I'm like, God damn it. And you then know, they played it at the beginning of the town hall. Yes, Jimmy yes. told me, goes, don't worry about it. I play, I shared it or they shared it uh, on the planning meeting. I'm like, they did. I'm like, oh. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, I thought it was, because I, I was thinking, like, who could have made this, right? I had no idea that you, like, asked somebody to do it. That's awesome, though, because it came out really nice. Yeah. I was like, this is nice. This is very nice. Yeah. Okay, you give know, me one second. I'm going to mute myself to call you. To do. Give me one Okay, he said he's coming. Uh, okay. Awesome. Okay, so hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this special New Year's Eve bash version of the NLE show. We've got an amazing show for you guys today. We've got, of course, uh, the executive producer. Oh, here's Nick. Here's Nick. Here's Nick. I'll, I'll do all my introductions at once. There we go. <laughs> Hey, Nick. Hey. hey, good to see you. All right, hey. so let me uh, let me do my official introduction. I was just in the middle of doing it. So welcome to the Annalise Show. This is the New Year's Eve show. So we have a great show for you guys today. So we're going to start off the show uh, with Steph Zamorano, who is the executive producer. She's a comedian, and she is, uh, uh, in my, I've told her she's like the co-host of the Jimmy Dore show. She says that's too much. <laughs> but I feel like, you know. So please welcome Steph Zamorano. Steph, how are you? I am great. By the way, let me see if I can do this. because I. Two, three, four. Oh. Four. No, no, no. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. A call to action, motherfuckers. I love it. Thank I you. I love your background, Steph. Yeah. Well, this came about, you know, this came about. Here are my lyrics because I'm. we're going to do a New Year's Eve show tonight, too, the Jimmy Dore show. And Woo! it's all very last minute. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this song as often as possible, force the vote. <laughs> and I, I want to give the credit right now to Molly and Jake Chapman. Let me see if I go there. Oh, you can see Chapman and Chapman. Okay, so Molly and Jake Chapman, I uh, had an idea after listening in on the meeting that you had on Sunday night, and I was like, where's the music? I need something to bring it together. It's, it doesn't mean anything if we don't have music, right? <laughs> And it's not a movement unless you have a chat. And so <laughs> I I I called my girlfriend or I texted her. I'm like, hey, how's your daughter? I would like to hire her for this gig. And uh, they go, well, what's it about? And they said, they'll call me at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. I'm like, 9 a.m., Jesus. And I was uh -huh. like, in a meeting until 10. And so then I told them and I texted them and I shared some links, you know, to the first time that Jimmy did the rant. And, um, you know, you know, people are, uh, this is the first time we collaborated on something and um, I love them. I'm I, such a fan of theirs. I saw people sharing the song independently. Yeah. <laughs> did, oh, did, you like, did you like what we did with it? We put it at yeah. the front and the end? I gotta tell you, I was just so proud. I was so proud. I'm so proud that it was uh, got that got to be a part of this movement. Me too. It was amazing. Yeah. And 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 now I'm going to ask you if they can do the theme songs to all our actions. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, it was so funny because yes, yes, they don't know it, but yes. <laughs> they don't know it. 
you know, because they're so talented. I mean, Molly Chapman is releasing her her music all the time and Jake releases his music. I mean, you know, and of course, it's a whole nother stratosphere with the lane they're in as artists, you know, that they're on Instagram, they're wherever the access to performers can be. And um, I just, I couldn't be happier that they they wanted to do it. And I said, do you want, can I tell your names? You know, cause you know, sometimes you don't know if you want your work attached to your name, you know? And they're like, yes. I'm like, oh my God. So of course, I, of course I volunteer them for everything. <laughs> Amazing. We'll tell, I, I think we did, but if we didn't, we'll put them in the credits for oh. the YouTube video. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so sweet. Yeah, that's we so gotta sweet. do that. And then also, of course, help me welcome Nick Brana. He is the founder and uh, national coordinator for Movement for a People's Party, which is now People's Party. Yeah. Uh, Nick, Woo! welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome. It's great to be with you. It's great to be with both of you on this like um, New Year's Eve pregame show. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. And in a little bit, we're also going to be joined by author, political commentator, and host of The Last Outlaws, Zach Leary. He's actually very, very excited to, to chat with you guys. Um, and so am I to have him on because he's fantastic. Um, so guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I do want to let you know, Steph, I already purchased my ticket to your Jimmy Dore show tonight because I have to end the year on a good note. So what else am I going to do with my evening? It's going to be a fun <laughs> show. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad you're going to be there. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, Katie Halper is going to join us. My friend Dana Eagle, Rick Overton, Ron Placone, Graham Elwood, Mike McRae. Uh, so it's going to be really quite an event tonight. If you want you a know, surprise guest. My favorite impression of Mike's is when he did Fauci. That was just so spot on. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. I loved it. Mike, when he does, well, when he does anybody, and if he ever mentions my name, I, I could faint. <laughs> it's always like, it's, is it, did George Clooney just say my name? Al Pacino? Oh my God. Oh my God. Cornell West said my name last night. <laughs> oh my God. I know you're both all used to it, but I'm like, oh my God. So, it's so uh, cool. the town hall. It never wears off. That's a success. Yeah, that's actually the first thing I want to talk about. So I've got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about today, including there's going to be a, a piece of this where I'm going to have to go off on Jenk because I'm like here. <laughs> but let's start off with the town hall first. So I want to share with you guys some really exciting stuff that's been happening over the last couple of days. Um, okay, so we had... The uh, force the vote town hall. So I want to remind you guys, this is not over yet. The vote for Nancy Pelosi is January 3rd. So go to forcethevote.org and go ahead and sign the petition. We've already got almost 39,000 signatures. So that's amazing. So I want to show you guys, this is the force the vote town hall that we had yesterday. We had some amazing speakers. We had Brianna jo Joy Gray and Katie Halper hosting the town hall. We had Dr. Cornell West. We had, of course, Jimmy Dore, Justin Jackson. We had some messages from Crystal Ball and Kyle Kalinske. Nick, you spoke. And then Ryan Knight was going to speak, but he was actually kind and gracious enough to give us his spot so that two other speakers could step in and tell their story. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, we also went ahead and used um, the hashtag my story for people to share why they support force the vote 
and why now is the time to push for Medicare for all. So this was incredibly inspiring. And I just want to show you guys uh, very quickly the first clip that played in the Force the Vote Town Hall. And then I want to bring it back to Steph and Nick to talk about how this came about. So let's watch this really quick and then we'll talk about it. My mom actually died when I was younger as she was about to leave her kids and her husband. My mom was worried about having to get treatment because it would have bankrupted our family. Our insurance company refused my claims. They'll gladly let a vulnerable boy and his family suffer. I actually used to be a fiscal conservative diehard Republican, and uh, I lost everything. This is my sister Diana, and the medications for her autism are more than $2,000 a month. The same medication in another country is $14. Force a vote for Medicare for all. We are the only developed nation on earth that does not have some form of universal health care. I went to the emergency room. They said that I needed to follow up with my doctor. I can't go see a doctor. I don't have health insurance. I can't pay this bill. I've been working in a nursing home about five, six years now, and they're telling me I don't deserve health care. I'm going tomorrow to a nursing home with active COVID patients. Force the vote. Let there be a vote for Medicare for all. If we had a Medicare for all system, my dad could have just gone to the actual doctor and they would have caught the cancer earlier. Force the vote now. Hashtag force the vote. People don't go to the hospitals because they don't have insurance. Force the vote. We need Medicare for all. By the time I had some idea of what to do to treat my illness, I could no longer afford to treat my illness. Force the vote now. I am one of the many millions of Americans who have lost their health care. If you actually care, about defending the human rights of Americans. Force the vote. I got stabbed in the chest, and their answer for me getting attacked was to charge me $270,000. Force the vote. I had a bone disease, and my doctor goes, you're not making bone properly. And I was like, well, should I take a Viagra? He's like, no. One day I stepped off the step the wrong way, and my spine collapsed. The insurance company would pay. Force the vote. My father had health insurance, and we had to fight the health insurance company to try to get to pay for his life-saving medication. And uh, I was sitting in a hearing where one of the Blue Cross Blue Shield representatives was sitting in front of me laughing. And um, I leaned forward and reminded him that uh, the dying man that you're laughing about is my father. That's not right. Force the vote. Force it. Both Republicans and Democrats support Medicare for all. Force the vote. The vast majority of our fellow citizens support it. We expect our politicians to force the vote. And if the politicians aren't willing to demand it, then they should get out of the way. Force a vote. I've had enough. Force the vote. If not now, when force the vote. They ran on Medicare for all. The squad needs to do their job. Screw all these partisan politics. It's time to start fighting for the people. Please force the vote. Not tomorrow, now. I don't want to see any more theater or Instagram posts about how much you're doing for us if you're not using your power in a real way. Get things done. Medicare for all would change my life. Force the vote! Power doesn't concede anything to polite requests. The people have spoken. If they don't give us what we're demanding, we need to vote them all out. I am amongst an entire family of Republicans, and even they support Medicare for all. I was diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis. I have medical coverage, but hey, at any time, just like that, it can go away. My mom actually... Okay. 
So that was the opening video, which I thought was incredibly strong. Um, so I want to start with you, Steph. Why don't you tell us how Force the, the Vote came about and why it's so important that we do this now? You know, Force the Vote came about that, you know, a lot of times we feel so helpless and we feel like we don't have access or our voice isn't being heard. And and um, I think, you know, seeing the devastation that the health crisis has brought to our country, how can it not be a daily conversation? And somehow it's not. Somehow, you know, they're not talking about it every single day. They don't say, hey, you know, we're in wars across the world. We're spending trillions of dollars and you don't have health care. I just don't understand how any newscast can, ah, I can't understand it. So Jimmy and the team were talking about this idea and we have access and we have a platform and you know we've been trying to support general strikes. We've been trying to support any kind of union action that we're notified the best we can. You know, like we're we're doing this out of our garage, the luxury of our garage. And you know we're doing this in a very. I've heard you own a home, Steph. That's I, problematic for me. I, I know. <laughs> well, how dare you? I, I you know beyond just how dare you. There are pl political ramifications because in 1960s, my grandmother, Josephine Macias, was denied being allowed to purchase property in Southgate, California. And that really exists, denying people equal rights this century and last century. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. knew that it wasn't about color it was about socioeconomics and there was a war against the poor and it continues to go on. And how can you not have that conversation all the time? So, you know, yes, I own a home and I guess, you know, it, it's a pretty big deal to me as a Mexican, knowing the history of my family. And it, it, and it probably isn't a big deal to a lot of people in America. You know, probably a lot of them were able to buy property um, because they had the right color skin. So it is, it, you know, and nobody's going to talk about that in variety, right. <laughs> you know, oh my God. So the conversation never stops about what can we do here at the Jimmy Dore show? What, what can we do with purpose that can help? Because we felt helpless because Ah, oh, come on. You know, when you're sick, when your loved one is sick, it is a lonely time. It's you are you're isolated. All you can think about is how you're going to help them, what you want to do for them, how soon you can get them the medication. Why isn't the medication coming? Why doesn't the doctor have a diagnosis? There is such an urgency about it. And so how about a strategy? And this strategy also is, has provided momentum for what's currently happening with Donald Trump coming out and say, give them 2,000, no matter what you want to say about Trump. He's the one that said, give them 2,000. You can say Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris introduced it seven months ago. Oh, uh, 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 Kamala Harris. And, but 
But where were they a month ago about the $2,000? Where were they two months ago about the $2,000? Where was anybody about $600? Why wasn't there greater outrage? And now we're all pretending that Bernie Sanders fueled this train. No, there's a lot behind the momentum that's happening. And really, what is Congress going to do when Mitch McConnell denies people access? What? Do, and guess what? What is America going to do when Joe Biden dis, dis, denies you access to Medicare? Why? You don't think that is the storm that is coming? That this guy is supposed to be the better guy? And in a pandemic, they keep telling me on moveon.org that they're going to help me get affordable health care? They put it in every email. Affordable health care? No. We want universal health care. We want single payer health care. We all of America is going to buy into. We're going to option into one covered plan. So the idea has always been there, and then we're just so lucky we have a camera and lights. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. I mean, what you guys have been able to achieve, especially in such a short period of time, just blows my mind. So Nick, let me ask you, what? made the people's party decide we're going to get a hundred percent on board with this and not only are we going to get on board with this we're going to help push it to new levels and do a petition and have a town hall like what what led you to that decision because it's uh every other major country on earth guarantees its citizens health care as a human right the democrats claim to believe it they ran on it and, you know, even the ones who don't support Medicare for all, they, they say they support health care as a human right. If you are putting an insurance company between someone and their coverage, that's not supporting health care as a human right. So this issue of Medicare for all and universal access, guaranteed free health care, that issue is one of the issues that most highlights, like corporate money and politics, just the level of abuse of these two corporate parties towards the people in this country. That's one of the reasons. Another reason is because this issue is fundamentally about the accountability of democratic elected officials to a movement and to their voters. And what became clear and was highlighted at the town hall, I think, and needs a lot of discussion right now is the fact that none of the members of Congress who were invited to the town hall by thousands of their biggest supporters, thousands of their contributors, donors, people who volunteered for them, and, and some of the biggest figures who've promoted them, directed who knows countless amount of thousands of donations their way by discussing them on their shows, independent media uh, personalities, leaders, Crystal Ball, Kyle Kalinske, obviously Jimmy and Steph, all of these people who discussed it, Bree, who was there, you know, Justin Jackson, everybody, Dr. West, it was so much of the movement calling them to have a conversation with us, you know, and they didn't, if, if they didn't want to show up, if they wanted to show up and, and not support it, come and justify that position. Right. And the fact that they won't even come and justify that position, that they won't even, that they won't even respond. Like they, they wouldn't even tweet and acknowledge that it happened. The closest thing is that Rashida Tlaib tweeted like Justin Jackson today about something else, you know, about the Senate Democrats, you know, 
And she said, she said, this is how the American co- public loses confidence in our political system and in the Democratic Party when the de- when the Senate Democrats, after you know having this performative fight for for two thousand, getting the headlines about they, how they support the two thousand dollar checks, and then you know, and then they leave for New Year's, they help basically override Bernie's you know like procedural impediments to it. You know, well, guess what else is making people question your accountability to the public and to the movement is the fact that you won't even show up or acknowledge that. That's a big problem. When you have so many independent media personalities, so many people, someone with the, the, the icon, I mean, one of the greatest philosophers of our time, Dr. Cornell West, and all of us, thousands of people, more than I saw, more than 130,000 people have watched it. And you have all of those people calling your elected officials to come and discuss the idea with you. You know, we're not even talking like commit to it right there. We're even like, if you want to argue against it, have that conversation. And the fact that they can't have that conversation, they can't, the bar is so low. And it shows that it is such a fundamental lack of accountability between them. They don't see themselves as accountable to the movement. And that's a problem. We need a political party where politicians are accountable to the movement, where they do actually pay attention, not because what is the point of electing progressives to the Democratic Party who don't take corporate money if the politicians who don't take corporate money follow the orders of the politicians who do? Right. And, and that's where you say intentions stop mattering at that point, because if no matter how good your intentions are, if you are, as you're basically saying, voting along the lines of whatever the corporate establishment, Democrats and Republicans want, then what's the point of you? Why, why are you in Congress? And so I feel like there's been this, I don't know, th- this, this group of people who are like surrounding these politicians and trying to protect them and like, no, don't touch my AOC. And it's like, what are you talking about? These people are supposed to represent us. It's their job to give us what we need and they're not doing their jobs. They talk a good game, but at what point do you start to hold them accountable when all they do is talk and there's no action? Well, I think you have to make sure that when you do this, that you use soft, tones <laughs> when speaking to elected officials. Don't get down and dirty and let your intonation take over. You need to stay dignified. That's what they were saying today on NPR. They were playing a clip on NPR that was highlighting uh, the differences in styles and they showed, uh, they were examining the moment on stage between Donald Trump and Joe Biden when Donald and Joe would not concede and Mike Wallace Jr., I don't know, Chris, he was there, gentlemen, 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 please, we're (laughs) done here, gentlemen. We have ended it. And they're like talking, talking. And the woman they throw to is some, I don't know, talking head academic wonk who said that, well, we really have to get back to being more civil in our conversation. Yeah, 
It's 2021. We still don't have health care. Can you please keep it down to a little low murmur, everybody? Because the world's had it since the 40s. And you know what? You Americans are loud. Keep it down because as politicians, we're doing the hard work behind closed doors. We can't tell you everything because, boy, do we have some good stuff coming your way. Maybe $15 an hour in 2025. That would be nice. And <laughs> and I, I, don't, I hope I don't tip my hand, but 2040 is looking good for Medicare for all. <laughs> Real achievable goals. Everybody, really quick, I want to welcome our next guest to the show. Please welcome author, political commentator, and host of The Last Outlaws, Zach Leary. Zach, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. And um, I, I must say, real quick, uh, thank you to Steph Zamorano. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you guys don't hear that. Um, I am proud to have been a subscriber of the Jimmy Dore Show. Oh, that's done. And I am proud to have followed the work of you two and of Nick for a, a very long time. So um, thank you. You know, I, a lot of people feel that way. You know, I know you guys, you guys have been taking some flack. Um, you know what I think is controversial? It's not Jimmy Dore, okay? I think it's controversial that the minimum wage is still $7 in South Carolina, okay? I think it's controversial that the American people don't have health care. So thank you. And thank you, Nick, man, for uh, all that you've done in terms of promoting third parties. And, and thank you, uh, Annalise, for all that you've done with our revolution. So uh, thank you, guys. It's, it's good to be here. Thank you. It's good to have you on. Um, so let's hop into the, the, the next part of the show that I want to talk about. I have tabs lined up of everything I want to talk about. Uh, so let me start with, um, okay. So I'll, 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 I'll go into the Jenk thing. So as you guys know, I was the special projects director on Jenk Uger's congressional campaign. Um, so my role was a bit unique because since it was such a short race because it was a special election and we kind of had to put everything together very quickly, usually there are different people who do different roles but I got to do kind of a bunch of them all at once because we were on a time crunch. So as a special projects director, I did things like, for example, I found the office that we worked out of, but because we were in a rush, I was also Jenk's body person, which means that's the person that gets to go with the candidate everywhere and literally knock door to door with them, make sure they get from one event to the other. So Needless to say, I spent a lot of time with Jenk one-on-one. We literally walked for hours knocking on doors and canvassing together. So um, let's get into my problem with TYT's response and Jenk's response to force the vote. And I just have a couple things I want to get off my chest, and then I will let you guys jump in and kind of tell me what you think. <clears throat> so right now, I am really disappointed and angry at the way that Jenk and TYT um, have reacted to the hashtag force the vote push. And I'll tell you why. Because when I, when I got involved in Jenk's campaign, I didn't start off as an employee. I went and I volunteered my time for free to run for him, to, to help him run, because 
He told us that he was going to fight for us. He told us he wasn't going to be a standard politician. He told us that he was going to do something completely different and finally give us a voice in Congress. So um, I want to get into uh, what Jenk said, uh, you know, 2019 when he was running for office versus what's going on now. So um, I want to show you guys, I'm going to start sharing here. I want to show you guys. Let's start with this. So this is something that Jenk tweeted today um, about the force to vote town hall. He said, uh, and force the vote turns on itself. It was inevitable. There's someone in this town hall who needs serious psychological counseling. Can you tell who? These folks um, are mostly well-intentioned. They have a fine strategy that is slightly mistimed, but the circular firing squad is nuts. Okay. So to that, I responded, um, you clearly didn't watch the force the vote town hall or the full conversation afterwards. You take two minutes, you think proves some kind of point. You ignore everything else from last night. That's ridiculous. Get over the Jimmy Dore bullshit. Mistimed, what is the right time and plan? Yes, we're angry. So I am so angry at Jenk because the next thing I'm showing you guys is what his audience thinks about the Medicare for all vote. So they had a poll on TYT about force the vote. And 85.93% of his audience said, yes, progressives should withhold their vote for Pelosi if she doesn't agree to bring a vote for Medicare for all to the floor of the house. So while Jenk took two minutes out of context of a small disagreement between, which we all know Jimmy gets heated. Okay, that's like not a, a fucking surprise to anyone. He took those two minutes while completely ignoring, I promise you he didn't watch the force the vote town hall. I promise you he didn't watch the entire conversation afterwards because he doesn't actually care about the merits of this argument. So instead of Jimmy arguing for two minutes with somebody, I'm gonna show you guys what the force the vote town hall was really about yesterday. I, Ideal eyesight is 2020, mine is 2024, or 2,200. I was visually impaired, then legally blind, and now I'm visually disabled, all within less than a year. I do not share this to scare you. What happened to me is very rare, but I do share it with you because it's important to realize that while you may not need Medicare for all today, you very well may need it tomorrow. On top of having your life turned upside down when becoming disabled, why the hell should everything be exacerbated by things like pre-authorizations and medical bills and countless insurance phone calls. Something I've never personally shared publicly is the despair and deep depression, which comes from becoming disabled. The feeling of being broken and feeling like you're a burden because suddenly you need to ask for help for the littlest thing. 
And sometimes when you go to bed, hoping you just don't wake up the next morning. My question to Ro Khanna is, are you the same person I interviewed on my show four times who continuously supported Medicare for All? Are you the same Ro who shared my post about my medical needs and my medical bills and said it's unacceptable? My question to AOC is, are you the same person who I interviewed on my show who told me that you're an activist and would always fight for Medicare for all? We may not be your constituents, but make no mistake, we got you elected. You campaigned as an activist. So that was Savage Joy talking about her story. And I'm showing you guys right now, this is where we're at with COVID. Okay, 18 million cases confirmed in the US, over 322,000 deaths. Now I'm gonna show you, uh, now I'm gonna show you what Jenk said when he ran for office and got all of us to help him. Joining me now is candidate for California's 25th district congressional seat. Uh, so yes, indeed, I do have an announcement. Uh, I will be running for Congress in California's 25th district. Uh, I'm going to represent those people uh, in a way that they have not seen before. Uh, I will not be a standard politician. I will fight for them. I'm gonna fight. You're gonna fight for them. You're gonna fight for them like you're gonna fight for force the vote, right? Let's keep going. Get money out of politics and I'm gonna call it like it is. I'm going to get money out of politics and call it like it is. And right after his campaign ends, he starts a fucking super PAC. Let's continue. You know what campaign donations are for big corporations and lobbyists? Bribes. They're bribes when Republicans take them. They're also bribes when Democrats take them. I'm not going to take any of that. And I'm going to fight to get you guys higher wages and to get you health care that your family needs. And my dis He's going to fight to get you health care. Let me show you another video. This is a video that Jenk got me to be in for his campaign when he was promising that he was going to fight for us for Medicare for All. Outsiders are America. I remember when I came to this country at eight years old, I didn't even know what an immigrant was. My father would tell me stories about his life, how he grew up as an olive and grape farmer in Turkey. He would pick olives and pull weeds out until his hands bled. Eventually his hands calloused and he could work longer days. Soon he decided to pave a new path in his life. After fighting for and winning a free education in Istanbul, he came to graduate school in America. If it wasn't for that opportunity that my dad received, I'd still be in that field. I learned the value of hard work while on construction sites with him. That belief in the American dream is what led me to starting an online media company out of my one bedroom apartment. Doing that allowed for a national platform for the working class to be heard. A national platform for the working class to be heard, like his viewers who 86% of them are telling him to support force the vote. Let's continue. Now it's time to get louder. The insiders in DC have money, but we've got people. I'm going to DC to shut down corruption in politics. That means being- You're going to DC. This wasn't filmed inside my fucking house. I let him and his camera crew come into my fucking house 
and meet my disabled sister and my mother because he was going to go to D.C. and fight the corruption. Strongest candidate running, fighting for Medicare for all, and a woman's right to choose what happens to her own body. It's also standing up to corporate donors, corrupt lobbyists, and anyone else who doesn't have the interests of the working class at heart and saying, not on our watch. Climate change is real. Our district is on fire. Oil and gas companies took home all the profits and left us with the costs. Our housing system is in crisis and none of my opponents seem to care. How long are we going to walk by our homeless Americans, our veterans, our neighbors, and do nothing? So my question to Jenk is, how long are we going to watch Americans without health care, promise them that we're going to fight for them, and then your fucking campaign ends, and I tried to be understanding of this, you start the rebellion pack, and okay, to be fair, he's not taking corporate money. But who cares? What about Wolfpack? The whole fucking point was you said we got to get money out of politics. Now you start a fucking super PAC when it took me $1,000 to be able to even have a candidate statement for a city council position. And you understand that it takes tens of thousands of dollars to run a race and that we need to get money out of fucking politics. But you think it's okay to start a super PAC where you can take unlimited amounts. I don't give a fuck if it's corporate money or not. Yes, we shouldn't take corporate money, but we also need to get unlimited money out of politics, Jenk. And you used to believe that. So now he starts rebellion pack a few months ago and listen to his logic about why he started a fucking super PAC. The guy who started Wolf Pack started a super PAC. Let me share this and show you guys what he says about it because it makes no fucking sense and I'm tired of this shit. I wanna get it to a point, we all do, where the rebellion pack is so strong, so overwhelming that they cry uncle. And they go, well, this isn't fair. I mean, you guys can raise unlimited money and keep spending it in these elections and whichever election you come into, you guys win. So the minute we hear the rebellion is in the race, the race is already over. That's a dream come true. Because at that point, then they go, no mas. We got to get rid of super PACs and we got to get money out of politics. Goddamn right you do. So I'm going to explain to you what Jenk's logic is right there so that you can see that there is none. And I fucking talked about this when this came out. He literally just said, if you heard what he just said, he said, we're starting a super PAC because we need to end super PACs. And so we're going to start the super PAC and it's going to terrify the Democratic and Republican establishment so much that they're going to be like, well, never mind. We don't want to use super PACs anymore. Super PACs are done. That is the most ridiculous ass backwards logic I have ever heard. They're not going to fucking stop using super PACs. They're just going to find a different way to funnel in even more money. And now you have contributed to the fucking problem. I've been trying so hard to be fucking kind about what Jenk has been doing and because I've spent time with him. And I, I know he's like one of the nicest, goofiest people that you could ever be around. He genuinely supports Medicare for all. So that's why it astounds me that you're wasting your fucking time trying to, to tone police a comedian when no one gives a fuck. 
when instead you should be using your platform to force the goddamn vote because what other time is there? What other plan is there? You have no fucking plan. You have no fucking plan. And the reason I'm angry is because I spent fucking time and effort in your fucking campaign because I thought you were the type of person that when this moment came would force the vote. And now I realize if you had won your fucking seat, I'd be fucking sitting here texting you about force the vote and you wouldn't do shit. And you'd be coming up with all kinds. First, it was a bad idea. First, it was a good idea. First, it was a good idea. Then, oh, a Republican is going to get the seat. No, they fucking aren't. And if you don't know that after decades in this fucking business, what the fuck are you doing? Why is it that a fucking comedian in his fucking garage knows how this works better than you? It makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. So then that gets debunked. Then you're like, well, it's an okay plan, but what fucking timing, Jenk? When? In fucking 20 years? When millions of more people are dead, not in the middle of a pandemic? God forbid that we ask for a fucking vote. No, we got to fucking tone police comedians. Get the fuck out of here with your fucking Jimmy Dore bull. No one gives a fuck. We care about Medicare for all. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys. I I just want to say that it looks like Jank can make a really good salad. <laughs> that was a bomb ass salad. You know that. <laughs> I mean, I do know that. I do know that. I just want to say that I'm at the place where it's like, Come on. Yeah. Join us. Force the vote is such a, a nice way to move forward. We're moving forward. Come on with us. You know what? If you weren't with us yesterday, okay, got it. This morning, got it. Come on with us. Come on. We can be strategic together. We might not be in lockstep together, but no need to undermine. No need to personalize it. And if you are making it a personal thing um, between, you know, a host of a show and a greater movement, you're going to be, you're just on the wrong side of that argument. And so let's seize this opportunity. And we have. And so if anything, look what it's done for bringing more people together. I mean, already there's something very positive from this. Even if there are people that are undermining it in their own way, you know, who are they talking to? You know, because I think honest, uh, honesty and uh, purity of a mission will, will raise the consciousness. And I can't think, how can it be, you can't resist it. It is, it is beyond, it, it has logic. It has compassion and it's about helping the very vulnerable among us. And we all can say we're a shit stir and we're gonna kick some ass when we get there. Well, there's different ways to kick ass. Well, the, the goal is to get a vote, okay? And once we get people to agree to have a vote, then we begin to lobby our politicians. So it's, it's a two-step process, am I correct? I, I think the process, I don't, I don't know how you break it down to two, but I do know the first step is that they okay. have to, they have to withhold their vote of speakership and they have to have leverage. And she asked that, I guess one of the next step is she says, I give, 
I concede, I will bring the vote to the floor. And now you have leverage. And then the next thing would be, well, let's see who's for it. And the other argument is, oh, people are just gonna be signing on to it as grandstanding. Do it, go grandstand, because we're gonna hold you to it. Then it's gonna go to the Senate. That's the next step. And let's see what they do with the Senate. And if it dies in the Senate, hmm. And if yeah, it passes the Senate, oh my God. And then well, we go by the desk and he vetoes it. Shitstorm. Yeah, that, that's my strategy. Yeah, it's the same. And as Jimmy's been saying, it's the same demand. No matter who wants to be speaker, it is the same demand. You want our vote? Okay. We got to get a Medicare. The fact that it is such a big deal for that we're all we're asking for is a vote. We're not asking past Medicare for all now which we fucking should be. We're asking for under bare minimum. And they don't even have the balls to get a vote in there. So I don't understand. I don't understand. And, and, and the fact that TYT is doing this when they're the home of progressives. And I agree with you, Steph. It's like, look, I wouldn't get this angry if I didn't care about Jake because I saw him fight for Medicare for all on the campaign trail. But now I'm wondering where has all that fight gone? Where has all that fight gone? And they can't give you an answer on what a better plan or time is. They can't give you a straight answer that makes any sense on why we shouldn't use the leverage that we have and why the fuck Nancy Pelosi deserves anyone's vote. So I don't understand why we're personalizing this and making it about people that we disagree with their approach. Great, you disagree with Jimmy's approach? Okay, so give it your own approach. Push it in your own way. Do your own thing. There's plenty of people on board for this. And the fact that you didn't have fucking time to watch the town hall, but you had time to talk shit about a two minute clip that you have no idea what the fuck the context is around it. And I fucking texted you two days before you started talking shit on Twitter. And I sent you the link to force the vote. And I fucking told you, hey, I know you and Anna don't agree with this, but like share this with your staff and with your viewers so that the people who do agree with it can sign on and he fucking refused to. But I mean, like the whole idea of that you can't force the vote, that somehow it's poor manners, ill, bad timing, like, that's like, like if, if you, if I were your mom and you said, can we have candy? Not right now, honey. This Bad is time. a good time. Mom, can we have candy? Okay. You can have candy. Your dad and I have talked about it behind the door over there. We'll talk to you later about it. Could I have some candy? You know what, sweetie? Probably. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a raise on your allowance. How's that? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, if you really just break it down, it seems absurd that there's any pushback on it. it yeah. Really, if you just take a breath, you go, what's the pushback? Because I can't figure the pushback out. Then what is the real reason they're pushing so hard not to have this vote? What's the big deal? What does it expose? Yeah. They don't want to be accountable. They don't want to be accountable to the movement. They don't want the movement to tell them what to do. They're just like other politicians in that respect. That's what they are. You know, they don't want to think that if the movement supports something like in that vote, you know, 80, 85 percent, you know, and this applies to Chank. It applies to Chank. It applies to the politicians. You know, they said, no, we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. Um, 
that's like, you know, and that problem's playing out. It's playing out in DSA. It's playing out, you know, in, in many of these different organizations. And that's something that obviously needs to be addressed systemically. Yeah, well, the, the other point is, is how much money has a guy like Cenk Uger raised on the issue of Medicare for all? It's been very good to him pushing for this issue. Okay, it's been good to him during his congressional campaign. It's been good to many politicians and creators. So there's a financial element to this that I think a lot of people have missed. Yeah, And if you I, don't I like this plan, great. offer another one. Offer sure. another one. But just saying, no, this isn't the time. We shouldn't do this. You know, trust politicians blindly. That's not a, that's not a plan. That's not an alternative. That's, that doesn't offer any solace to the millions of people who've lost their health care in this pandemic and the tens of millions who already didn't have it. And then the hundreds of millions who have it in, in a poor fashion. Yeah. And I want to show you guys on that screen where they do the poll. Look at what they have pop up. Is what it is. It shows a lack of leadership. It shows um, a misunderstanding of the situation we're currently in. I mean, people are suffering right now. Um, we saw that firsthand during the Force the Vote Town Hall. There's been many videos of people telling their personal stories. And not only do our American politicians not care, but a lot of podcasters don't care. It comes down to what you have going on in your personal life. I mean, the people who are taken care of, they don't really care what's happening on Main Street. So, so that's a major problem. It shows a lack of empathy. Um, it shows a lack of altruism. Um, and it's sad. It really is sad. Um, it's, but the incompetence part is, is, I think, one of the major problems is if you have joined a supposed movement and you object to something like this where I see no downside to it. I've been following along with Force the Vote. I see no downside to holding Speaker Pelosi accountable who has for too many years been the corrupt puppet of major corporations and political campaign donors. What major accomplishments does Speaker Pelosi have aside from filling her own pockets being a major, major player in the California real estate game. But what accomplishments does she have aside from personal accomplishments for the American people? Not many, not many. Um, and I, I think we have podcasters, people on the left who have that same problem. They've gotten where they are because they support, support Medicare for all. They've gotten to where they are because they have signed on with the progressive policy platform. But the truth of the matter is it's all posturing for a lot of these guys. And it's a very sad day. It would be a very sad day if not for people like Jimmy Dore, if not for people like Tim Black, if not for some of the real alternative voices out there that are going against the Democratic Party. Yeah. I really and, believe that. And I, I wanna show you guys really quick on that, um... Oh, I might have closed it. But anyway, on that on that poll page where he had the, the TYT poll, underneath it was, uh, actually, yeah, I do have it here. Let me show it to you guys. It's asking for money. So uh, <laughs> America's uh, needs more COVID aid. Americans need more COVID aid. Donate to, to help TYT spread the word and pass AOC and Rashida Tlaib's amendment to increase COVID aid from 600 to 2,000 per person. You can donate $7, $27, $127, you know, I mean, so somehow giving money to TYT 
is going to help get us $2,000. Somehow that tracks because as we know, TYT is in Congress and they pass legislation. So, I mean, this makes no sense. And I'm like, the reason I'm so angry right now is because I've been bottling all of this up and just waiting and waiting and hoping for him to fucking realize what he's doing. Just like with the uh, defund the police thing. At first he came out against it. Then a few weeks later, he was like, oh, I'm on board. Like, like, why does it take you so long to get to the right fucking thing? Like, you have no alternative plan. Your issues with the idea have been debunked. And yet you can't come out and say, you know what? The concerns I had about this, turns out I'm not that concerned about them anymore. Let's do it. No, you can't do that. You got to be pissed off because there's some tiff between Anna and fucking Jimmy. Like, who gives a fuck? So that's putting your personal issues ahead of getting everybody Medicare when you're the mad as hell guy. You're the rebellion guy. You're le the let's get shit done and go in there and do things differently. But like, how though? Like, show me what the fuck you've done aside from talk. Because when the time is here now for action, I can't tell you how fucking disappointed I am. Because my sister needs this. Yeah, so well, what the well, fuck? The, we're, we're talking about people who have been wrong on everything. I mean, Anna Kasparian has no idea what she's talking about either. I mean, just take a look at what she said. I actually did a video about this. I mean, it was so, so funny. She said, he, she said, she did a tweet saying, I'm against social media censorship, but here's it. So the, the Young Turks have no credibility uh, in my book. So um, I want to direct you guys to the People's Party website because what has become clear to me is that the Democratic Party will not allow us to get the changes that we actually need in order to make this country better. They are going to suck us dry along with the Republican Party for as long as they can and they don't care if they destroy us and our country. So I'm going to urge you guys to go to peoplesparty.org. Okay, we are building a major new party, not a small party, a major new party that can actually take on the corruption of the Republican and the Democratic establishments. We just announced our advisory council, and I'm gonna show you guys that really quick. So here are the People's Party Advisory Council. So we've got Amaya Wangeshi, uh, Chase Iron Eyes, Chen Sim Lim, Chris Smalls, Dr. Cornell West, Eleanor Goldfield. I'm very proud to be a part of it as well. Jimmy Dore, Justin Jackson, Caitlin Belknap, maybe a girl, Medea Benjamin, Mike McCorkle, uh, Representative Mike Sylvester, Omar Fernandez, Dr. Peter Kalmus, Ron Placone, Rose McGowan, Ryan Knight, and Susan Sarandon. So um, Nick, <clears throat> I want to ask you, you know, tell us about what the plans for the People's Party are um, in the next year and what we can do to help support its efforts. We plan on getting ballot access in all 50 states, running for Congress in the midterms in 2022, putting politicians in office who are not going to equivocate on supporting Medicare for all or any 
policies because they're going to be accountable to the people. They are taking no corporate money whatsoever, and they won't be answerable to Pelosi, and they won't be answerable to the party establishment. And so they will be free to actually represent the wishes of working people. That's in 2022. And then in 2024, we plan on running a president, winning the presidency, and finishing the political revolution that Bernie started outside of the Democratic Party. I think that's fantastic. And I'm so proud to have, you know, everybody on board for that. It's time, you know, um, every, almost every other country has several parties. This duopoly that we have here is not normal. Um, and it's been essentially created to keep us in lockstep so that we don't have any choices and we have nowhere to go. So whether you vote Republican, Democratic, Independent, Green, Libertarian, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if we can agree on the policies. The important thing is that we never find ourselves in this position again. That's the important thing. And I want to let you guys know we're going to be having um, a special inauguration week show. We're still um, finalizing the date, but we're going to have Stefan, which is fantastic. And we're going to have Nick and a couple more people. I'm not announcing it yet because we don't have a date yet, but we're going to really, I want to sit down that day and talk about full-scale People's Party next four years and really get into in depth into why the People's Party is what it is, how it came about, what this movement is all about, and why we need to join. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. So um, is, there, is there anything else that you guys want to say about that? I'm just think, I just am so thankful for all the people that have the courage to stand together right now. It's really something else to see. And it's really exciting. And um, if not now, when? Yeah, well said, well said. Okay, so um, one of the next things that I wanna share with you guys is, as Steph mentioned, the Jimmy Dore Show is having a special New Year's Eve bash today. Um, so I had to get my tickets for this as soon as I saw it. <laughs> Not only because I want to watch, but also because all the proceeds are going to the California uh, homelessness uh, services. Yes. So this helps our homeless community. Um, so Steph, do you want to tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how you set this up and, and why you came up with this idea? Oh, it's, it's really just so simple that, you know, you can't, you can't live in Southern California and not notice the explosion of homelessness. You can't, you know, it, it's overwhelming if you just want to drive somewhere and you see people in need and it's time, you know, if we can help people any way we can, you know, usually on New Year's Eve, you know, that's always a nice, a fun night to do a live show. A lot of times we've just had little parties here at our home and then we just, you know, I thought of the idea on Monday and I about, well, two weeks ago, I'm like, hey team, we might do a New Year's Eve show. So prepare yourself emotionally without knowing all this that was happening. And so then I got our producer, Mark, to do the flyer for us and set up the tickets. And then we're, we're all agreed that we'd like the proceeds to go to people that need the money that can use it, you know, whatever we can do to help people, we want to be able to do that. And um, that's a part of what we like to do. I don't know, Steph, I heard you're greedy garbage people with houses. Mm. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm that too. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just so you guys um, uh, go to Jimmy Dore. Uh, you can do it on Twitter. I also got the email because I've subscribed to their emails. But you can uh, purchase tickets to the event. It starts today, tonight at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. You're going to have, okay, Graham Elwood, Ron Placone, and I know some people have been added like Katie Halper. So it's going to be a really fun show. I think it's like $12 or $13 for the ticket. It's not I very it's $12. And then yeah. it's just going to be ridiculous. We don't even know what to expect, except I might sing something ridiculous. Who knows? <laughs> I do know my husband loves to do karaoke. We're going to do a little karaoke. So it's going to be ridiculous. You know, we just want to share the night with friends. I think that's going to be fun. I would love to, like, once this is all over, I'd love to do, like, legitimate karaoke with you guys. Oh, yeah. We got to do it. We got to do it. I like it. I like it already. Yeah. Um, okay, so I will definitely see you guys there. Um, Steph and Nick, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to do a few more minutes with Zach, talk about his show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, we'll see you again inauguration week, and we will be posting the details for that show soon. All right. Well, I'm going to say one, one yeah, last thing. One last thing to Steph. Okay, Jimmy Dore is the only guy among these comedians who actually makes me laugh. Me too. I'll let I'll, I'll let him know that. Yeah. Big Zach. Adios. Bye, Bye, Nick. Zach and Elise. Hey, nice to meet you, Nick. Good to meet you, too. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Okay. All right, Zach, it's just you and me now. So um, uh, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. I wanted to get into your show, The Last Outlaws. So you've had me on your show before, and it was a great experience mm -hmm. for me. Um, and so <laughs> there was, there was a, a clip that you had uh, not too long ago that really got my attention. So in this clip, you were discussing with a guest that you had on um, transgender athletes, right? So specifically when sure. it comes to sports, which is a conversation that a lot of people have been having, you know, because it's a complicated subject. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't really, you know, care to talk about the 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 talk itself because it was a perfectly normal talk. What happened was it stopped being normal when number one, this guy kept interrupting you over and over and over again. And you asked him to stop and he wouldn't. And then by the end of it, I had to message you on Twitter and be like, is this dude serious? Because by the end of it, I don't know what happened with him, but it was like when you were done and frustrated and you were like, okay, like if you're not gonna stop interrupting me, let's just not have this conversation. And then something like a switch went off in him and his personality totally changed. And he was like, oh, what? Cause I'm better than you. Cause I'm a better debater than you what and i was just like this guy's so annoying like what the fuck it was mostly just his attitude so do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened in that interview and kind of like why you decided to end that conversation um I, because i i felt gross talking to him at that point i mean yeah i mean it was disturbing i mean it, it goes into uh the failure of American political discourse. I mean, I can sit and talk to somebody I disagree with um, and, and not get upset. You know what I mean? Um, painting me in, in a nasty light as well. You know, um, I, I said during that debate that I've called for protections for transgender Americans in terms of housing, in terms of, um, 
uh, getting jobs. I, I didn't hear him mention any of that stuff, and yet I'm the bad guy. Um, and, and it's not even a big issue, really. I mean, I, I went into that trying to defend Tulsi Gabbard a bit. Yeah. Do I think you need to have legislation? Not really. Not really, okay? But do I think that she is a uh, transphobe? Do I think that she's a right-winger in disguise? No, I don't. Um, so, so that's where that all came from. Yeah, one of the things that I found most, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to play the video because I don't want to give him publicity for no reason. Um, but, but one of the things that I found, I, okay, so I went on my walk, like I take this walk, I try to take a walk every day, right? Lately, anyway. And so I put my headphones in. And so I was watching, I was listening to your video. That was the one of the things I was doing. And one of the things that frustrated me the most was every time that you would give him a fact, like an empirical fact supported by data and scientists. And like, you had the, you had the citation, you had the article, like you had everything. And you were like, here is a fact I am presenting to you. He was like, well, you know, I'm just really somebody who's more into like facts and data. And so, and I was literally screaming, people outside must have thought I was crazy because I'm screaming at my headphones going, he just fucking showed you, he just fucking told you. Like, and you repeat it over and over and over. like, dude, I'm literally looking at a Harvard, like I can send you, you sent him the link to the article and he's like, yeah, yeah but I just don't see the proof though. And it's like, what are you talking about? That was so, that must've been frustrating. <sighs> I mean, for him, <laughs> It's like, uh, does he does he really think that he was a good representative of his argument at that point? Right. Now, you know what I said to him when I hung up at the end? Is we had a little bit of time after the live stream ended. And I, I think the last thing I said to him was, do you feel like a grown-up? You know, and, and I, I try, like, I mean, I, I really try my best not to get rude or anything like that. That that was uh, look. I, I didn't want to go after the guy. You know, um, I didn't want to put him down after the show. I said, "Do you feel like a grown up?" And he went into this whole spiel. So, yeah, that's that's one of those things. I mean, it's, it's not worth our time. You know. Yeah, and, absolutely. I just thought it was hilarious. I was like, you know, that is not the way to have a conversation. Especially, you can't just be like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna be like, I'm better than you," and and just. He got catty. Like, that's the best word that I can think for is like, he was just like, no. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? You're having an interview. Like, be, I said that to you in the message. I was like, be fucking professional. Like, yeah. you know, do something. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because I thought that the way that he was portraying you was completely unfounded, unfair. And it in no way correctly describes, you know, from what I've seen, who you are or what you stand for. Because you are somebody that supports trans rights. You are somebody mm -hmm. that supports, you know, all of these issues. You're just having a conversation about specifically sports. How should we handle this? And that's not wrong to say. Like, let's just ask, how do we handle this? What's the best way to go about it? Let's come up with solutions together. And I thought that was perfectly reasonable. And his response was just totally childish. So well, and the last thing on that is it's not even like that's something I'm thinking about. Right. I jumped onto it because of the way people were painting Tulsi Gabbard, who I happen to like. I don't have to agree with everything Tulsi Gabbard has said or done. I certainly don't. But do I think she's a right-wing Russian in disguise? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, so I, I have more respect for her 
than to not say something. And it's not like I campaigned for her or did anything like that or campaigned in support of her comments or legislation. I did one little video trying to settle things down because I saw people, especially from the Young Turks, uh, uh, John Idarolda, right, jumped on and said, she's my garbage person of the week. I don't think you can dis, right? He did a whole segment about her, um, really going into her. I don't think you can judge a person based on one thing. I think you need to take into account everything that that person has done or stands for. And Tulsi Gabbard in the past, although, again, I don't agree with everything, has been somebody that at, at many occasions, during many occasions, I could respect the way she stepped down from the DNC to stand for what she actually cares about when it was not politically beneficial to her. In fact, it was the opposite of that. So, uh, yeah, that's how I got into it. I don't really care. Um, but I can understand how parents of women and young, young women who have trained for 10 years to get that trophy, get beaten by a transgender athlete. Yeah, I can, um, I, I can see where they're coming from. Do I think it's black and white? No, it's not black and white. And as a matter of fact, I probably would have agreed with that guy a lot more if he would have come at it a different way. Right. So the, the, the problem in that whole thing was was the arbiter of, of those ideas. I am for trans rights. I support bankruptcy protections. There's many things that we should do to back up our transgender friends. You know, so, yeah, that, that's what happened there. And I, and, uh, I actually laughed out loud when you when you uh, <laughs> tell me that. Yeah, I just wanted to bring you on and, you know, just give you the opportunity to kind of, you know, make sure that your stance was clear, that people understood, like you're not some turf, like the, that's ridiculous, you do support trans rights, and it was just a conversation that just went off the rails because of the person you were talking to. Yeah, well, more so than most Democrats. I don't hear Democrats talking about that stuff. I don't hear left-wing people, even the guy I was debating, talking about that stuff. Yeah. And, and I like I believe in giving politicians credit when it's due and then calling them out when you need to, you know, and that goes for Tulsi. That goes for everybody. So, for example, there's things that I have totally disagreed with Tulsi on, like when she endorsed Joe Biden. I called her out on that. It's bullshit, you know, but now she's fighting to repeal the Patriot Act. This is a good thing. So yeah. we have to acknowledge that, you know, just like Ayanna Presley. I'm pissed off right now that the squad is not endorsing force the vote. But I reported the other day that Ayanna Presley is pushing to up the student debt forgiveness from 10,000 to 50,000. Now I put in there the caveat of it should be all forgiven, but I give her credit for pushing that. You know, so we give them credit when they do something right. And then when they don't, we have to hold them accountable. And these people who are like, oh, you know, my, don't touch, don't you dare criticize my group or my organization or my politician. Or it's like, dude, we have to be able to have honest and open conversations. You're 100% right. I mean, I can agree with Donald Trump on the $2,000 stimulus checks. Right. Right. And it's why is it that we're acting like progressives were the ones that were pushing for that when all they were doing was talking about it and nobody was taking any concrete action to do anything until Donald Trump spoke up. So it's like, what is this? Like people just waiting to be led 
and told what to do. I thought you were the leaders. I thought you were the ones that were going to go ahead and clear a path for the will of the people. So um, let me ask you, um, one of the last things I wanna talk about before we close the show is your show, The Last Outlaws. So why don't you tell me a little bit about when that started, how it came about and what the goal of the show is? Well, we began um, during the primaries. So we've already reached 31,000 subscribers, which I'm very proud of that. We've done 2 million views. Um, I, uh, we're, we're all about going against the establishment. I mean, it's, it sounds cliche, but it's, it's true. Um, and I spent a lot of my time during the primaries going after Joe Biden. Um, I feel that there were many things sitting there that Bernie Sanders could have easily utilized um, against him. And of course, he, he didn't do that. Um, I, I feel like a lot of us felt the need to do Bernie Sanders dirty work for him uh, throughout the primaries. Um, I spent a lot of time calling out the DNC rigging against Bernie Sanders. I was one of the main people to talk about the exit poll discrepancies when that news broke, um, the Iowa shadow app, which clearly right off the bat uh, hit me as a conspiracy Um when we found out that it was connected to Pete Buttigieg, right? Who, who came out and prematurely declared victory. Um, I, I guess a major thing that we're all about that makes us different is I'm about people over party or people over label. We have people who watch us and support us who have been great, who are Democrats, Republicans, progressives, libertarians, because we're all about being pro-worker. And I think that's something everybody can identify with. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And I remember as soon as I, well, obviously the first time I ever came across your show was because you invited me on it. And to be fair though, I've only really been involved, really involved in politics for about four years. So before that I thought I was involved, but I didn't realize I had no idea what the fuck was going on. You know, because I thought Obama was a great guy and I thought like, and then I started slowly learning, you know, I didn't even know what the word progressive was four years ago. So, you know, it was like a whole new world open for me and it was through fucking TYT, Jenk. So get fucking on board. Yeah, I I used to watch (laughs) them too. Yeah, it's been sad to see what's happened with them. It really has. I used to watch TYT all the time. Now I don't, I don't watch them anymore. And I hate to say that because it's like, it's like all they talk about is Trump bad. We fucking get it. There you go. That's we it. We get that Trump's bad. That's what it is. Um, I, I called out Donald Trump for paying no taxes. Okay. And um, that was pretty much the only hit piece I did on Trump. Um, but I said almost every video that I didn't support him. Um, I did not feel the need to go after Donald Trump because I feel that everybody else was already doing that for me. Right. You have everybody on late night TV. It's so sad to me how they ruined the Tonight Show and the Late Show. David Letterman was never a political guy. So they took, that was like a childhood thing to me. I loved late night TV and to see it turn into a Donald Trump show was so sad for me because that that was a childhood thing for me. Um, 
Yeah, everybody was going after Trump. What could I possibly contribute? Everything's already been said about him. And I think that's a major problem with third parties, too, is we have the Green Party, which I was uh, a little bit a part of their 2020 campaign. I voted Green this year. Me too. Yeah. Uh, and, and they spent all of their time going after Trump and promoting green ideas when there was so much ammunition against Joe Biden. And they didn't touch it. They didn't touch it. Third parties, and I have a lot of respect for Nick too. I don't think it's green versus people's party. It's about building third party movements. So I have a lot of respect for, for Nick, absolutely. And I have respect for Jill Stein and for Howard Hawkins. Um, these third parties, in, in my opinion, need to take on the Democratic Party. If they say, I'm here to make the Democrat lose, I think they're going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, most people know what Medicare for all means. They know what tuition-free public college means. Going out there and talking about these ideas is not really as important as contrasting it with, well, look, they're not going to do this. They're not going to do that, but I will. I, I think that's one of the major keys to building out third parties. They need to go after the Democrats who are pretending to be those people, but they're not. And they haven't been for too many decades. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the whole point of indie news media. Like, your show and my show is anybody can call out corruption on the other team. Like that's easy. Yeah. Anybody can do that. But do you have the courage? And as Omar Fernandez likes to call it, the testicular fortitude mm. <laughs> to Very actually nice. call out your own leadership and be fucking uncomfortable. You think it's fun for me to sit here and be upset with Jenk? Of course not. Of course not. Like I've texted the guy, we, we work together. I don't think he's a bad person, but he's just wrong. He's just wrong and he like refuses to acknowledge this moment. And so I feel like if I don't speak up and say something, what does that make me? Some kind of hypocrite who will only call out people that it won't make me uncomfortable to call out? No, I don't care who you are. You have to be able to have that fortitude to stand up to everybody, even people within your own circle, if you think that something is wrong. So I'm just so grateful for all the independent media that we have and how it's growing. I'm so glad that you've got The Last Outlaws going and that you're able to do what you do. I'm so glad that, you know, I was inspired by the Jimmy Dore show to start my show. So I, I was doing kind of interviews before I started my show, but I hadn't really thought about doing news segments and stuff like that. And then I watched Jimmy Dore and I was like, that's how you do it. I was like, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, anyone who feels like they want to, you know, add to the conversation and put their voice out there in a productive way and help us get this going. It's time for action. I appreciate organizing. I've been an organizer myself. It is important. We have been organizing for 50 years. It is time for action. So, um, you know, I just want to thank you so much for being here today with us, Zach. Why don't you tell people how they can find you and The Last Outlaws? Uh, YouTube.com slash C slash The Last Outlaws. One last thing I want to say is that supporting somebody like AOC right now is one of the worst things you could possibly do. By supporting these people, backing them up, defending them, you are 
inspiring them to continue a milk toast strategy that is going to continue this perpetual progressive uh, sentiment that we need to push, we need to achieve these certain things. But it, it's not about rhetoric, it's about, it's about getting things done. So supporting the people supporting AOC and these other people, that's fandom. That's right. fandom. That's not what we what we need right now. What we need is action. Yeah, absolutely. So it's time to hold our politicians accountable. AOC told us she would not vote for Nancy Pelosi when she went into the House. She voted for Nancy Pelosi. Okay. She told us she would bring the ruckus. She called her mama bear. She told us she would get us Medicare for all. She is actively fighting against force the vote. Did, so, did she really call Pelosi mama bear? You did not hear, what? You didn't hear that? Dude, oh, yeah, wow. she did it a while ago. It's been, a, people lost their minds over it. She yeah. was like, she's like the mama bear of the Democratic Party. <laughs> well, look, yeah. I, mean, I, I wouldn't vote on Pelosi if she promised me anything. I mean, I would not vote on her based on principle and based on her past history. If she promised me, and look, I am totally in favor of forced to vote. This is not against that. Right. I wouldn't vote for her on any basis. So the fact that people won't even withhold their vote asking for one little teeny thing uh, is very revealing. Um, there is nothing you could do. You could hold a gun to my head. I would not support Pelosi if I was in Congress. Yeah, and I mean, if, you're, if your argument is, well, it's, it's not gonna pass and, and she won't allow even a vote for Medicare for all to the floor of the house and she'll fight us. Then you just made my argument for why that person shouldn't be speaker to fucking begin with. If she is well, literally going to block every effort to get us the healthcare that we need in the middle of the pandemic, how is that person fit for the job? Shouldn't the job be earned? Well, could you vote for her under any circumstance? I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It's a tough one. Like I would say if, if she actually agreed to get a vote for Medicare for all, then yes, because okay. I want that vote on, because that would be my demand of anybody, right? Sure. So if it's my demand of anybody, then I don't give a fuck who's, as long as they allow it, that's the goal. And so, but the fact that they won't even threaten it, they won't even threaten it. They won't even be like, and look, there's a Democratic majority. So unless the Democrats line up to vote for a Republican, there's no chance of it going to, to McCarthy or, or the GOP leadership. No chance, unless the Democrats sell you out. So why the fuck isn't anybody saying that? In, in 2008, they had a super majority. They could have passed anything they wanted. And they exactly. gave us Mitt Romney's healthcare plan anyway. We have a super, we have a super democratic majority here in California in the fifth largest economy in the world. And we can't get Medicare for all here in California. So no more lies about the democratic parties on our side. Both parties are corrupt. They both need to go. We need third parties to give people options. And I agree with you that if the Green Party wants to, if they don't want to join forces with us and they want to remain their own thing, fucking great. I don't care. More things for people to choose from, more options for people to choose from. Well, so I, I don't know if that's true. Okay. What do you mean? I, I, I'm not sure if that's the case, that the Green Party doesn't want to join forces. We'll um, have to see. We'll have to well, see. But yeah, I'm just saying, that's right complicated. Now. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Um, 
but I'm with you 100. percent I'm yeah. with you 100. percent We need third parties. Um, you may find this interesting: is what do you think of Donald Trump's strategy against his opposition? As far as what? In the primary. When he was essentially yes. pretending to be a populist. No, no, no. His his strategy in going after his opponents. Can you be more specific? What do you mean? Him lambasting every candidate, going nasty. Oh, like him being an asshole and just bringing in personal attacks, embarrassing people. What What do you think of his strategy? I think that's a huge reason why people voted for him, because it's gotten to the point where now, do I think it's it's right? Not in every you know scenario, of course not. There are some things that I feel were too far, and then there are some things where I'm like, yeah, that's totally fair. So like it just case by case, but the truth is that there was something new and fresh about it because we're so used to politicians speaking like news anchors and they're all robotic and professional and they have to watch their words and exactly what they say. And so here comes this guy who, whether whether it's a good charisma or a bad charisma, is charismatic and can really say things in a way that people feel like, oh, he's telling it how it is. And he's not scared of the, but what they don't realize is he's just a politician like the rest of them, except that his front, instead of his front being the professional reserve, his front is that it's the populist. I'm going to talk shit about everybody, but behind closed doors, he's just a politician like the rest of them. And he's just as corrupt as the rest of them. But I think that persona he put out there was a big part of the appeal for people. Well, I, I feel that a left-wing Donald Trump would win the Democratic primary. I really do. I really do. I mean, it would be so easy to go after Joe Biden. It would have been so easy. Yeah. Um, and nobody went there. Nobody went there. Um, take Bernie Sanders' policies, combine it with Donald Trump's aggressive nature, and you have a Democratic president. That's what you yeah. have. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that if we, if Bernie had actually been willing to fight and if he hadn't called Joe Biden his good friend, which we will never fucking get over because that's not what you say when you're running for president against people. Well, um, that brings up another interesting point, which is I actually think it would be better if Bernie would stop going on TV. Okay, yeah, I, I, I like what he's doing right now in the Senate. Okay, I like him going after McConnell. I like him standing up for $2,000. After COVID, I think Bernie should go away. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think he's, he's shown that he might support the right ideas, but he's not willing to get down and dirty to actually fight for them and make them happen. And so we need somebody. You know who I would love to see run? Kyle Kalinske. Yeah, I would vote for Kyle. I would vote yeah. for Jim. I would yeah. vote for Jimmy or Kyle. Um, I would vote for Tim Black. Um, we just need somebody who is a real person. I like Bernie. I uh, campaigned for him in Washington State. I yeah, I volunteered for him. For him. Um, and, and, right. Um, but we need somebody who is going to go out there and actually attack their opponents. I mean, the email situation is a great example, but um, I, I think the closest thing we have at this time is, is Nina. Okay, she's not as aggressive as maybe I would like, but right now she seems to be our only option. Yeah, I'm gonna say on the Nina issue, I'm, 
I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to spare anyone. I'm kind of disheartened by her kind of wibble wobble answer on force the vote. First, she was on bad faith with, with uh, Brianna Joy Gray. And she was like, well, I don't want to really question what the squad is doing because maybe they have. And so she, it seemed like she wasn't for it. Then she went on another interview. I think it was um, on Rising or something. And then she seemed to inch a little more towards it. And she was like, well, you know, it's a tool and all tools are on the table. But mm. she's still not giving a clear, concise, straight up answer of, yes, I support force the vote. So I got to be honest, like when Nina announced she was running for Congress, I was so excited. And I still am. I'm still excited for her because I believe she's a fighter and I believe that she stands for a lot of the right things. Plus, she's a fantastic orator. So she can really get people yeah. on board with the movement, which is fantastic. But I got to say, I went from, you know, if Nina runs, she's 100 percent getting my vote to I'm going to look at my options now. Because for me, the fact that she's not standing up in this moment very clearly and succinctly and saying, yes, I am willing to go beyond the talking stage and fight for this. I don't care what anybody thinks. That's a big deal to me. And so will I, if she runs, will she probably still be the person I vote for? Probably. But I'm going to look at my options now. I'm going to see who's running. I'm going to see who supported force the vote. Because this moment to me is everything. And a lot of people are, are realizing the moment that, I mean, Sunday, this is happening Sunday, they're going to have the vote. So, um, you know, I think it's shameful that nobody from Congress that we invited showed up, let alone responded to the concern. And it just shows, you know, they don't actually answer to the people and the actual organizers that are all screaming, yes, we want this. Who they answer to is, you know, government leadership and organizational leadership. So when you have organizations that are not outwardly supporting force the vote, but their entire, you know, all of the people that work within that organization are saying, yes, we want this. What does that tell you? Right. It tells you everything. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if Steph got what I meant by part two is let's actually lobby for our politicians. I, it's, it's very complicated. I think that's what she meant. Right. But, the, the, the major goal of this is once we have a vote, is it becomes possible for us to get that passed, right? So um, look, you can't hit a ball you don't swing at. Right. That's what it's all about. If you don't swing, you're never going to hit anything. And that's true in life. That's true in life. If you never swing, you're never going to hit anything. So what if we hit a double? So what if we hit a, a triple? Maybe we get the home run. Who knows? If, if we can get to that point where we are having a vote, we can lobby the American people. We can then hold demonstrations. So it, it's a very interesting thing. And to come out against it, I mean, um, is it's, like I said, it's ignorant. Yeah, it's built bending yourself into into a pretzel just like the people who somehow wanted to come up with a reason why Trump asking for 2000 was bad like sure. no, no 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 because Trump said it so I mean it's just ridiculous so um you know again you guys need to use the hashtag force the vote we've already got almost 40,000 signatures okay so go to force the vote.org sign the petition get involved let's make this happen Zach 
Thank you so, so much for being here today for the show. I really appreciate it. Everybody follow Zach and The Last Outlaws. Fantastic show. Um, and I just want to say Happy New Year's to everybody. I know this has been a tough year. It's coming to a close. Let's start 2021, you know, with something positive. And thank you guys so much for watching. Don't forget, follow, subscribe, like. It's totally free. And it's the best way to support the show and help it grow. Zach, thank you so much for being here. Anything you want to say before we go? Um, thank you, folks. Happy New Year. Uh, 2020 uh, is over. Thank God we made it through. Um, now it's all about securing uh, some security for the American people. That's what Force the Vote is all about. That's what Steph Morano is all about, Nick Brana, and of course, Annalise. So uh, thank you, folks. Sub to Annalise. Um, I got to tell you, amazing energy, a great, uh, a great speaker. So uh, thank you for having me on and thank you folks for watching. All right. See you guys next time. Bye, Zach. Happy New Year, everybody. Was that okay? That was great. We're still live. <laughs> <laughs>